But when you're running Windows XP and trying to record a podcast through one of those phones that you have to turn the thing to dial and then, hello there, you're going to have audio problems. That's... <laughs> I mean, we're recording. So I woke up this morning to a £14,000 loss so, on my trading account. It's, it's, as of this morning? It's been grumbling for a while. It's just been progressively getting worse and worse. So I'm sat here, like, looking at the little lines on the screen, thinking, oh, it's going to go down now. And then it just goes further and further away from my position. You seem pretty calm about it. I think at this point, I'm just like, what's 14 grand between friends? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I've just signed it off. Really? So I'll give some background for anyone who's... Well, just quickly, in that case, the best thing to do is just cut your loser. It is. But but you, you don't want to cut the loser at the very peak of, like... The, the only problem is, so this, I, I think I need to give some background first because okay, people fine. will be thinking, I, I know we've opened with high drama and all that, but. Yeah, no, you're right. So, so we'll, we'll cue I'm, the intro music. Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. And then we're back. And now we're back. <laughs> I'd love if Benny just didn't put the intro music in the world. <laughs> makes us look like real. Uh, be a good real test way. to see how carefully he listens to the podcast, won't it? <laughs> Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable, semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. So Chris used to do that with Dean, where he would be like, yeah, and there's a reference in Family Guy, which Dean is going to show here, and then tumbleweed. Sometimes that used to happen, didn't it, where there'd be nothing, and you and I would be doing this, and there'd be Just nothing there. Saying, Screw you guys, you're adding to my editing workload mm-hmm. here. So I joined a copy trade account, which is a semi-algorithmic, semi-fundamentally based system that you enter your... Um, trading account into they have access to enter and close trades and they basically generate you a profit for you so it's the kind of gold at the end of the rainbow of passive income supposedly now i've been stung with that stuff before and i was like no i'm not going to touch it and then chris just kept giving it the hype giving it all the big in saying this absolutely great there's no downside there's no risk it's been growing like 20% month on month for the last two years. And I'm thinking usually if something like that happens, it means they're opening positions and jimmying their win rate by just leaving positions open until the the price (laughs) comes back. I'll just put something in and see how it goes. So since then, Chris has got out and here I am 14 grand down. He's got out of it. Yeah. He just closed his positions and, and left. Thanks for letting me know, Chris. Does he not? Yeah, I remember. He was taking out business loans to put more into this. So he really did back it. 
but right now it's just hoping and praying so there's a tv series on bbc called industry this is related i promise it's supposed to be about grads who join a hedge like a, a big bank basically and they join different desks and they're doing different things and that obviously that lured me in but it's very sexually charged it's more or less 50 percent sex scenes and quite odd sex scenes in some cases, and 50% trading. But the 50% trading bit, there's some quite interesting scenarios. And there's one where a woman, like her first couple of weeks on this desk, she basically executes an order where she sells rather than, she, she basically executes it the wrong way. So she's supposed to sell and she buys. And she sat looking at the, the P&L number, which is a little bit red. And she gets called by the guy in the risk department saying, you need to cut this trade now. And she's like, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. Mm. And there's like an announcement comes out an hour later and it starts moving against her, aggressively against her, like going 20 grand, 80 grand, 150 grand, like falling. And it's just exactly the, so it's what we were talking about in the, one of the previous episodes about you're engineered mentally to, if something's going against you, you're like, I'll, I'll wait for it to turn around again. In this instance, I think it did turn around for her. <laughs> But oh, interesting. So you just like, say, oh, I'm hard. I've got balls of steel. I'm just going to hold it mm-hmm. out. And you know what you said the other day, your the market will stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Now, if this was my trade, I would have got out a lot earlier. I would have had a stop loss and not done this strategy. But because it's a system that is someone else's trade, I'm, I'm like, when I put the cash in, I wrote it off. Basically, I was like, this is a potential risky investment someone's go sometimes they go badly it was a good lesson to be like you know what like i should have learned that first time that following algorithmic trading systems that are making consistent wins that they're they're bound to blow up at some point because a good trading system can't be right all the time and so it's about taking the losses and recognizing when you're losing early on the funny thing is, there's been times when I've been trading, and we, we have got a point to this podcast in, uh, that gonna, is going to apply to your online fitness business, I promise. But the one of the big lessons from trading, and I've, I keep a journal of this, is that sometimes you're, it's nothing to do with your analysis, nothing to do with your fundamentals or how you looked at the chart. It's simply the way that you managed an open trade. And there's been times where 20 trades in a row I have perfectly sold at the bottom and bought at the top. Like, Which is the wrong way around, the, right? Yeah, done the exact opposite of like a absolutely textbook trade. And you're thinking if only the direction was reversed on those last 20 trades, you would have had an, an incredible run. And that's not by coincidence that you can systematically get it super wrong. It shows that we are good at spotting the trends and the changes in price and everything, but because our emotions cause us to, to do the exact opposite, we end up in a loss. So really trading is the reason I, I think everyone should try it just with a like hundred quid or a practice account is that it really forces you to confront your emotions with this stuff. It's like a squeaky chat. We talk about this all the time with um, how trading is like a, a sandbox of a very concentrated version of, of like what you've experienced in so many other things in life. So like something's going badly and you're like, Oh no, 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 it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. And before you know it, it's way worse than if you just stopped two weeks ago and then vice versa, something's going well. And you're like, I know I'm going to change it. 
<laughs> this is the I'll first thing I'm doing with this program. I'm just gonna meddle with it. Yeah, like let me see if I can make it work. But oh, I've broken it. So like I think the when that's shrunk down into green line, red line, and there's a number that's either green or red at the top of the screen. Bum, 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 bum. So, <laughs> basically saying you're right or you're wrong. It's very you're right, like the emotions in its purest form at that stage. But man, I, I hope it turns around. Obviously. Thank you. I, I hope so too. I woke up with a real sense of trying to ensure loss aversion. So to, to trying to avoid loss, like in its extreme form, is going to cause you loss. Like when in any situation, if someone tries to, to eliminate risk, they're probably introducing a different type of risk. So yeah. the simplest or the kind of most close to home version for that for everyone is holding cash. <clears throat> You know, you when you hold cash, the the risk that you're taking is that that cash just gets slowly degraded by inflation and you're missing out on the opportunity cost. So the potential return that you could have made having that in a different asset. Five years ago, I wrongly predicted that there was going to be a big S&P market correction because I was like, it's been on a constant bull run for a long time. So I'm not going to go in yet. I'm going to wait until this big correction and then buy at a discount. And I waited for five years and there was little corrections and I was like, oh, no, that's not it. That's not it. And looking back, you could have doubled your money. If you bought five years ago S&P and just held it and sold it now. But then this year I was like, oh, no, because COVID and stuff, like that's going to cause a big market crash. Didn't happen. Crazy high, isn't it? Looking back, it's like you should have just bought and held and not worry about the little movements in between. Bitcoin, same thing. Everyone's kicking themselves about not buying Bitcoin. 70 yeah. times the return, like 7,000%. From That's from 2015 when it was already, like everyone already, already thought it was at the top. 2016, 2017. Early on, you would have been made for life, like infinite returns. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think the the Winklevoss twins, who basically won a, a lawsuit against Facebook, they put some of their money into Bitcoin. They were like one of the first Bitcoin billionaires because they bought so early. But so the the flip side of that, because we we talk about ca- holding cash quite a bit as like a business strategy, and the flip side of the you should be making your cash work for you all the time is this is such a tangent. But I was in Morpeth the other week about a week ago and uh, there's a new pleased to meet you it's a beautiful um, historic town in the north of england <laughs> where you were born right where you like, grew up yeah yeah so it's like a little is it a village or a town there's, a, know, there's, a, there's a framework for that isn't there it's like if there's if the church has a steeple and there's a, or whatever it is yeah. but so there's a brand new pleased to meet you restaurant being opened in morpeth and like so, either side of it there's businesses that have clearly gone out of business in, in 2020 but someone has just opened the new place to meet you with the boards up saying coming soon and you look at it and you think like that is gonna kill it there's nothing else like that in here this is a pretty busy place a lot of people come to morpeth on the weekend go please to meet you get a burger and some sweet potato fry lovely lovely what a way to spend a sunday so this is, it comes back to the sam ovens who's a guy we've worked with before he's a quite a well-known entrepreneur and they make money online space but his view on this stuff is that 
recessions in business or like downturns in business for whatever reason is like a game of musical chairs when the music stops you need to make sure you've got one of the seats that's available so in other words like when you're in a downturn or when something's going wrong at an industry level if you're sat with a couple hundred grand in your in your business account you can set up the police to meet you while everyone else is forcing being forced to shut up shop and all these units are com- becoming available and all these opportunity short term and long-term opportunities are suddenly, wow, that's never existed before. If only I had 50 grand, if only I had. Sometimes, it, as you say, like there's flips, of, there's, there's both sides of the argument on there. Like the person who's been sat on 50 grand for five years waiting for the big opportunity has had 50 grand sat in a bank account doing nothing for five years, but they were able to take advantage of the sudden opportunity. Yeah, so it's the trade-off between capital growth and liquidity. Yeah, exactly. This is, we said we were going to link this back. <laughs> People ask us about this quite a lot. They don't they? like want to hear you talk about general finance. And, this and is it. People trading. have said, oh, I really want to hear you talk through investing. Like, There's my investment strategy. <laughs> Lose a lot of money. But it's so funny because it's so simple. And the equivalent of just buying the S&P and leaving it is the equivalent of doing 531 for five years. Like, it's no different. Yeah, I think the because I remember sitting in Chris's living room and Chris was talking about this and you were both saying to me, like, why don't you do this? And I think about that a lot, like why I don't think it's just like being risk averse. I think I'm more risk averse than certainly than Chris and probably more risk averse than you. But I don't think I'm like a fully risk averse person. I know people who are way more risk averse than me. But there's something about it that like maybe the way he presented it or the idea of it, that it, it just seems to like violate what I think is likely when something's presented as, oh, it's just 20%. Is it, was it 20% year on year or something like that? And they've never lost, they've never had a bad month. And I just think it's the same as when you see an ad saying, become a seven figure fit pro. You like look at it and you think that there's just something that uh, you can't quite put your finger on why, but it just doesn't quite seem right. Even when you see the chart and stuff and you're like, oh, he's actually going up and they've hardly had much drawdown. And that was true. That if anyone's interested in like how a trade could go so wrong, it's it's just simply that they because they want to maintain their win rate, they don't close out positions until they move into profit. And as a result, they end up having a really big window of drawdown. And normally it's tolerable because they pick ranging markets, so it's never gonna go too far against them. But in this one trade, which they put a big position on at a really bad entry point, it's just the like all the stars aligned negatively. So, um, just just before you go on, can you just quickly explain drawdown? So, so the the, the un, unclosed loss. So positions that your trades that you have open and are going against you, but you haven't locked so you, them in yet. You put ten grand in and you leave it, and it moves against you by five grand. So on your account, it would say. Negative. The drawdown's 50% there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was New Zealand dollar short. So betting against the New Zealand dollar. And it's just gone up. And I've never seen a currency go up so hard as that particular pair. So it's just, it's just a bit unlucky, but it's also badly managed because what really they should have done is gone, oh, that's an anomaly. That's not occurred as expected. So I can either stick to my guns and be like, no, it's definitely going to go down, which is a very, risky move or you can say look i'll just get out and then once the price returns and becomes 
reasonable again, then I'll get back in and I'll save myself the headache. So what, which is what, what you should do if you're manually trading. So you're saying if you were making the decisions, you'd have seen it move against you, cut it, cut it like a grand, for example. Yeah. Or, or like whenever there's sufficient sign that you think this is trending in, in a certain direction. So the, this is it, that doing nothing is still taking a position. You, you cannot get away from the fact that whatever you do, you are trading. People say, oh, I'm not a trader. You're, yes, you are. Like you're, what, what currency is your bank account in? <laughs> oh, it's in British pounds. Then I'm sorry, well, but you're long GBP. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, you, you've taken a position here and just because it's not on a trading account with a, with a bar chart, it doesn't mean that it's, if you really had a, had a like position for your currency, you would have a Swiss franc bank account or you'd have a Polish sec or whatever they call it. So it's, I think it's, it's because, same, sorry, go on. This is the same with holding cash versus holding any other kind of asset. Like you can't get away from it. It's the same way as time. You can't not spend time. You can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit on the sidelines until I find something to spend my time on. No, doing that is spending your time. It's that, it, and the, was it Kit Lachlan? Was it James Clear? He's, you're always oh, you're, practicing something. There's yeah. always, there's always a habit being, being built on at all times. And it's, you've got to be so careful. So what you're saying is no matter what you do, no matter how interested or keyed on it, you are always trading some kind of currency. You are always spending your time and you are always building a habit. I feel quite strongly about this. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, that's actually a really scary thought. Like it's, there's there's a lot of like vertigo associated with that thought. Suddenly you like, all of the decisions that you make that you think are really inconsequential, suddenly someone's just shone a big floodlight on it. Whoa, what did you think about that? When you're like, when you've... So, but I think the what's interesting is people look at like GBP or USD or like whatever their local currency is in their current account and think, that's safe. I've got that. Or like they look at their pension and think, that's safe. Even though pension schemes are just invested long into indexes and if the markets mm-hmm. crash, so does your pension. But that, I suppose that's a separate thing. But because you don't, like, no one checks the, their bank account by looking at, like, GBP, USD value and think, oh, I think well, it would be so fascinating if it did. Like, when you log into your bank account, rather than showing just a single number in your domestic currency, it shows a chart with the last month's performance of your stable bank account against other currencies. I think people would start to be like, whoa. What's or the real value versus inflation every year or every day or like showing the slow decline (laughs) yeah nauseating but so what's the lesson what lesson have you learned from this experience that was seamless did you just mute the mic to clear your throat and then back on yeah Uh, what i felt like i watched there was just like a david blaine card flourish got it nailed now my zoom technique so the the lesson is similar to what we talked about last time which is pick the boring thing and do it for a long time it works and it's hard but it just needs to be done going long s&p for five years is going to generate you much more return than trying to actively trade sorry but you're not george soros like you're not going to be able to like dip in and out of the market and make amazing returns or if you do then you stop coaching online and go and run a hedge fund. So 
it's not a case of ability or analysis or intelligence or any of that that people don't do. I use 531 as the as the training example all the time because it's such it's so perfect because it's hella boring. But how many people do you know that have just done that for five years in a row? Like we saw one guy on the Propane Fitness Forum years ago who did five by five from empty bar and just added 2.5 kilos a week. And it's weird because he's such an anomaly. Like, and it's a guy, you're like, whoa, that's not... And he just did it and he ended up squatting five by five, uh, 170 kilos before he had to like change his, his tactics. Do you, do you remember there was a guy that I spotted on bench in David Lloyd Newcastle who oh, loaded yeah. the bar up to 160? He's called Liam, actually. We've got him on Instagram. You know, the, the bodybuilder. Was it not Liam. more than 160 for a bench press? It might have been. It might, but it, when you're like you're in a commercial gym and you have you have a normal expectation of the environment, and then you see something that sticks out, and you like you like scan it, and then whoa, what was that? There's a guy over there benching 180. What the hell's going on? And he, he came up to me and said, "Can you spot you?" And there's the nerves kick in of that's 180. If he misses that, I'm not in a position like I can't upright row 180. <laughs> but he his program was five by five, and had been doing five by five for as long as he could remember. Just huge lesson in that. <laughs> yeah. He's got all of his like little internal chat out of the way, and he's learned to just stay stupid and stay the course. It's either that he's got the internal chat out of the way, or the internal chat doesn't exist. And I think about that a lot. Does he? Is it just obvious to him that well, you follow a pro, obviously you follow a program for a long time, otherwise it's not going to work. But this, I was doing my like annual review process, and this thing is basically what kept coming out of everything. Like every time there's so many examples where I have, we, and this is something we discuss frequently where I'll turn off an ad and the next day it makes a sale or like even that hour it makes a sale. And we talk about it as like, oh, maybe Zuckerberg's listing. But in reality, all it is that there is a pattern there that I keep spotting and I incorrectly interpret the pattern. And the lesson is if you just fucking leave it on, <laughs> just let it run you had a plan a week ago that you put in place that you were sure about at the time and seven days later you're like oh yeah but just let me just fiddle with it and then before you fucked it that's partly why i'm i'm not closing this open position because it's like it's someone else's trading strategy the the whole purpose of me putting into a copy trade account is because i didn't have the bandwidth to actively trade myself yeah so for me to then go and meddle when it's losing, when it's at its lowest point, and to be like, oh, I'm just going to... Because if they blow up, they have their own problems to deal with. They've got 32 million, I think, of cash that they're managing for people. Their reputation's on the line too. So I'm thinking, I've made that decision once. I'm not going to keep having to make that decision and just let them do it. And that's the way that if I was doing the same thing myself, yes, I would do it differently, but that's because I've also taken the active decision to trade actively. It's the same as like deciding to rent a car in Iceland to drive to the Blue Lagoon or get the bus. And so the oh, reason God, God, yeah. like we were in a, I'm, I'm saying this in the context of staying extremely calm under what seemed to be a very unusually adverse conditions. <laughs> so we were getting back from, is it called Blue Lagoon? Is that what it's called? Where? Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon, yeah. yeah. Lovely. In Iceland, there was a storm, the worst storm they'd been in at that year. Roads were being closed. 
and we had to run out of Blue Lagoon and there's a, there's a blizzard and it's awful. And we get on the bus and say to the bus driver, are you still going? He's and he's like, yeah, no problem. And he just remained. We could see his the reflection of his face as he was driving the bus. And the bus is getting swayed back and forth on this mountain road. And he's just completely emotionless <laughs> driving the bus. Because to him, normal day of the week, this happens to him all the time. So you've just got to hope the person managing the trading account is the is the bus driver in Iceland equivalent. Yeah, exactly. So, so this is a perfect analogy because here you have this SAS bus driver who's <laughs> handling it and we're sat there thinking, oh man, like he's taking this mountain road. Like it's not a decision I would have taken. But you can either be the backseat driver or you can say, hang on, the reason that I chose to get this bus is because I didn't feel equipped to drive in Iceland during the biggest storm of the year. <laughs> and I've got the jitis. I've sat here with... You were very unwell. Uh, I sat here on the verge of death. So if I run over now and try and take the wheel from this bus driver and then I screw it up, who do I blame? Yeah. So suppose this comes back to... Almost comes back to separating planning from execution, developing a strategy of, like, in 2021 this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to spend my time and not changing that 10 days in. There's a really good book by Ray Dalio called Principles, which I think you've, if you read? So I of... gave up on it, but I've heard so many people. Yeah. So I, I gave it about, I was listening to it and I think I listened to about 45 minutes of it. And I just thought this is just so fluffy, but I've heard so many people say good things about it since then that I need to revisit okay. it. I think. It's funny because that's happened a few times with books for me where I've started it and thought, this is rubbish. And then it's met me at a different point a couple of years later and it just like, hits differently. Like Peaky Blinders on BBC. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, not like I mean, that's a bad example. I, I tried to watch Peaky Blinders twice and then so many people were like, you should watch Peaky Blinders. And then I watched Peaky Blinders and one of my favourite series. That's interesting. So there you go. There we that's go. The, so, princi principles. The principles, it, the main principle is that you should have a set of models or criteria for decision making that is made once and then slowly updated over time based on new data and therefore it limits the amount of fussing over decisions that you have to make because you're just like if this then that with everything and you build out this big map of if this then that and he recommends like writing them down and being really clear on them but also having the nimbleness to say, okay, when I've used this, when I've applied this principle to this kind of situation, the last six times it hasn't worked, something needs to be updated with it. And it just gives you a much better framework for operating than just winging it on every single decision. Imagine the bandwidth that would be freed up if you just had a big flowchart for every thing that comes into your life. So actually, I, I thought this podcast was going to be about risk management. But I think it's more turning into like making better decisions. I think that's a large component of risk management. It is, yeah. But I, it's what it's um, realizing that any business, offline, online, whether it's a, a coffee shop or Microsoft, mm -hmm. basically just is a sequence of decisions. And because, so I think running your running your own business, you're more you're closer to the green line and the red line of a, of a PL on a trading account than you are as an employee. Like you're very aware of something went wrong yesterday. 
I've had a bad email. That's threatening the business. That's threatening my lifestyle. That's threatening all those things. And being able to <clears throat> take all of those things into account and just make the correct decision every day, make the correct set of decisions every day is the is why some businesses fail and why some businesses don't basically like it, it comes down to that so having these like mental models i suppose you would call them or like decision criteria like sets of when this happens do this and then you don't think about it because you're following a principle that you set for yourself in the past frees up so much he headspace it's funny because not having mental models is a mental model <laughs> Not having a decision criteria is what, like, these things are unavoidable. Yeah. And it, you always, you can't not make a decision. Not making a decision is a decision to sit on the sideline, which carries its own risk. So, so yesterday, just as a, like a, an applicable example to this online fitness business marketing, we, yesterday I did a, we had a, we do QA calls three times a week with all our clients. And yesterday I was troubleshooting the situation of a client that came on the call and said, my cost per lead's too high. And it's, okay, do you know why your cost per lead's too high? And it's, oh, well, I think it might be this, I think it might be this. And there is just a, we teach people a very step-by-step, -step, like get out of your own emotional way and just look at, you just diagnose like one, two, three. Okay, landing page is fine. It's not the landing page, put that to one side. This is how doctors make decisions, right? Like how do you diagnose an illness? It's, is it this? No, that's fine. Is it this? So it's exactly the same way. You have a patient that has a cluster of symptoms. You say, I'm going to start with bedside investigations, like really simple, non-invasive stuff. Then you do a blood test, slightly more invasive, but still simple and cheap. Then you do imaging because you don't want to irradiate the patient for no reason. And then you start to do biopsies and special tests and things that require a bit more. Or, and finally, if you're still not sure what's going on, then you do like exploratory surgery. So... <laughs> But you, you have to do it in that order, don't you? You can't just be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Let's burn them in the CT scan, just scan them head to toe, and then open them up and just have a little look. Like, that's what Americans do, because they get paid to do that kind of stuff. But <laughs> that's a bit harsh, actually. But, but yeah, you, you rule out. And so what I covered on the Q&A was like, so many people will then, will look at something like that and think, it's the button color on my landing page. Or it's, it's the images in my ads. So actually, what we decided was that the creative in the ads, the images in the ads, the landing page were all actually performing better than normal. And it was the CPM or the cost per 1,000 impressions that was the thing that needs addressing. And then there's four strategies you can try to improve your CPM. And you just go through those in the sequence of 10-day tests. And yes, it's frustrating because like you want the solution to the problem now. But by February, his ads will be better than most people's ads because he's gone through this process versus like spending 10 days changing the landing page and then changing it again the next day and then changing it again the next day. And then our uh, emojis and then, Oh, well, I need, maybe I should do Instagram swipe up. And it's just a mess. You need Ugh. this like systematic how to make these decisions because there are so many things you could do. Absolute chaos. And then if you change your product and you, or you, you launch a new thing, then you're back at square one, like, right now I've just got to begin chaotically changing different variables until something works again like it's not a way so a few more examples of these decision criteria for running your online fitness business like we've we've had a chat with a guy called michael kirk from efficiency is everything a couple of uh, months ago on the fitness podcast he talked about like you wash your balls first in the shower and then you move up so that Oh, no, sorry. It was you. Oh, you, you, 
wash your hair first and then you move down so that the stuff trickles down and then you've got the most efficient thing or when you're getting changed there was a like you go and boil the kettle and then you get changed or you run the bath while you make dinner like you do stuff in parallel to make sure that things are like you're not sat waiting for a certain part of the the process so doing that in your business could mean that you're running a test version of your program while you're marketing it and so you're building out the back end of the program before you rather than do a pre-launch and then get people on and then you're like oh crap now i need to do some research and figure out what to deliver you you can run these different streams in parallel so that by the time the beta version is launched and people have gone through it you've got a great idea of how to build out the next part and there's no waiting around another one is when you're thinking of things to create for social media or your content the creativity sludge pipeline so this is you imagine that you've got a big sewage pipe <clears throat> and there's some really nice clear crystal water right at the back but you have to get out all the sewage first and you've got to run the pipe for hundreds of liters before you begin there's no way around that to get to the good water you've got to just get all the sludge out so you need to put yourself out there online and it's going to be crap it's going to be a bit rubbish first but you just need to keep going because after you get the sludge out then the juice the juicy stuff comes out so seeing creativity more as it's inevitable but you just need to get all the sludge out first rather than taking a shot and then being like oh and i didn't like that so i'm going to delete it and i'm going to i'm not going to try until it's absolutely perfect because you can let out a little bit of sludge each time hoping that it's going to be crystal water but it's not going to be so like setting your seeing for example <clears throat> improving your content following organic strategy as i'm just going to let this run in the background this is not an event that's happening this week it's well this year i'm going to improve my i'm going to start a podcast i'm going to start a youtube channel i'm going to start writing it's not going to be a home run like it, it's just let it run set and forget that's going to happen while i'm while i'm coaching clients while i'm doing the rest of my and the, yeah so another example again more on the ad side of things one of the things we tell people to do is start an ad leave it for four days and it's incredibly difficult to do especially if it's not the numbers you want so you turn it on and you're just like okay i'm gonna sit with my hands over my eyes and pretend this isn't happening but actually like some of the best stuff to do is what you've done there is started an ad campaign and it's the freedom of realizing there is literally nothing else to do on that for the next four days you've done everything so what better way to use that time than like okay i've got a deadline in four days time i need to then start looking at this stuff again so i'm gonna there's a four-day timeline where i'm gonna build out my the rest of my funnel or for the next four days i'm gonna improve part of my program and i've freed up all of that so it's this while my ads are cooking in the background i have this window where i'm gonna do other stuff so it's another like simple decision whenever i launch an ad i have a four-day deadline for something else what am i going to pick that up um, that's really cool that, that's uh, yeah. a very good like psychological hack as well the same way that if you're in a, a hard deficit of calories you don't want to be sat around twiddling your thumbs you need to keep yourself busy the morning walks yeah <laughs> yeah like that's... a deficit is much easier to tolerate when you're just busy at work and you haven't got time to really think about food i think things like cancellations refund requests things that are very emotionally raw sometimes so like a client cancels a lot of people have this 
even online clients had this in COVID, like gyms are shut. So the, the assumption is all my clients are going to leave. And maybe clients start expressing this desire to maybe, maybe I should cancel. But if the framework is like client asks to cancel, okay, I put, I go through this strategy. If they still want to cancel, I did everything I could. Like being upset is just, just choosing to worry about it for no reason. It doesn't help you. And maybe the, the final strategy is, okay, client's gone. What can I do to activate another client? Like assuming I'm marketing in the background all the time, I have these lists of people that I might want to tap into. Maybe I'm going to send an email. Maybe I'm going to reach out to a, a former client who I've got in a, in a database. Maybe I'm going to put, put a post on Instagram to try and activate someone who might be interested. But it turns shitty emotional thing like clients cancelling damn it my business is doomed i'm not gonna i need to go back to a gym this isn't gonna work to like here are my three retention strategies four strategies reactivate a new client before you know it, you've got three clients because someone cancelled and maybe the person who's going to cancel didn't cancel anyway or because you had a mental model of dealing with a situation yeah exactly so in, another one that we do is when a client posts about their gains, like they've lost a lot of weight or they've, they've fit into the dress that they were trying to do their, do for their wedding or they've gained some muscle or whatever, we, we immediately say, congratulations, that's fantastic. We'd love a testimonial at this point. Or, or just well, if they post about it, we just say, can we just, can we share this screenshot on our landing page? Yeah. When you send an email and it generates a sale, that email gets put into an automation sequence. That's another one. It's like whenever we send a marketing email, if it generates the desired outcome, it's like what you're basically doing is there's a lake and you're throwing bits of bait into the lake all the time, seeing what gets a bite. And what often happens is someone will throw a bit of, throw, throw a bit of bait into the lake and they get 10 fish and they're like, oh, lovely. Better try again tomorrow. <laughs> Let's keep going. But what you've done there is like you validated, well, that worked. So the decision is simply when I do this and it works, automate it, make it happen again. And I think we, we try and do that with so many things. So like our, I think our fitness nurture sequence is, is six months at this point of emails that were all at some point in the past proven to do something, like proven to, to generate a sale. And that's how we spoke in one of the last episodes about while Yusuf was scooping poo out of someone's bum, we were selling copies of his V-Taper book. <laughs> that's driven through sequences. It's not like totally random someone who used the calculator a year and a half ago or opted into our world a year and a half ago, decided while Yusuf was doing that, for whatever reason, you know what? I quite want to improve my bench press. So I'm going to buy that. And so there's all these things that you can, you're slowly just adding in these little tiny decisions every day that in a year's time, you'll be so thankful that you did simply because you've got these if this, then that statements in your decision making. Yeah. There we go. And that's it. That is it. <laughs> we'll wrap that episode up, I think. What a convoluted journey that was, but I think we got there in the end. Hopefully. I think we did. <laughs> that is it for everything in this episode. That is it for everything. That, that's all for this episode. I will speak to you some other time. Bye. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build, and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. 
We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propinfitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.